Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators come together and tell you what we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... Dice and Dragons. The Rat Hole. The Meeple Dungeon. Definitely a board game podcast. Bridge City Board Gamers... Facebook community and cardboard conjecture. And as always, please check out the show notes to see the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. Now, on to the board games. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons, and you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dice and Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? I do believe it's what you've been playing Wednesdays. And what game have we been playing? Aeons and Legacy of Gravehold. Now this is published by Indie Boards and Cards. The game is designed by Sydney Engelsing, Nick Little, and Kevin Riley. Now this is a sequel to the Aeons and series. It is also the second legacy game in this series. Now, the game has two story booklets. You'll be siding with either Gravehold or Azure. That's going to give you different sets of mages, but don't worry, they all come together so you will get a chance to experience all of the content. But like us, you may want to get a reset pack if you'd like to experience the other half of the campaign. So at this point, we are going into our fourth mission. We're getting to that halfway point in this story and we chose the side of Gravehold. And why would you do that, Julie? We always choose the good guys. Well, Azur's not necessarily the bad guys, but they definitely they're, do. They're more, they're, it's more in the gray zone. How's that? Yeah, so the game is for one to four players. It is a cooperative deck building game. So you'll be building your deck of cards and what's really unique about Aeon Zen, it's one of the first deck builders that you do not shuffle your cards. So the order that you purchase things and place things into your discard pile is very important. You're gonna be fighting against the Nameless and you'll be casting spells from your breaches as you are a breach mage in order to defeat them and their minions. You'll also be upgrading your mages by purchasing enhancements and putting stickers on cards so as you enhance your spells as well as your characters themselves. Did I miss anything at all, Julie? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it takes some getting used to to be playing a legacy game. I think the first time we played one, I was like, I have to write on the card, but yeah, no problem now. Well, you don't forget one thing I do love about Aeons and Legacy, and it does seem to be the case with Legacy of Gravehold, you do get the end deck, which is essentially everything that you need to play the game just as is. Like, 
Basically, you will get rid of any of the cards that have not been upgraded. There will also be some balancing rules to sort of set everything up just for standard mage levels as well. Because by going through this legacy campaign, you're going to be building some powerful mages. That being said, I do believe that our mages from the original legacy are still the most powerful we've ever created or played with. Yeah, but we finished that game. So, I mean, we're only partway through this game. Yes, but from what I've got from talking to just other players and seeing some comments from the designers, those are definitely the strongest mages they ever put into the game, fighting some of the toughest nemesis as possible. Well, nemesis. Nameless. Nameless. We'll go with that. The nameless is called the nemesis, so it's what it is. <laughs> it's the nemesis deck, you know. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, there's... it. Well, let's back that up. Uh, beep, I mean, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, so the... The game is very much like Aeon's End. Um, it is the same amount of fun. Uh, so if you love Aeon's End, you're gonna like this game. I mean, we haven't had, we haven't been able to bring Aeon's End to the table for a while. Actually, when we're sitting down to start playing, I basically recall playing this game with the little guy still in his swing. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, this was actually supposed to arrive last year at some point, and it did not arrive last year because uh, it just got delayed. So we got it early on in this year, but that's what sort of put that six-month gap in there. Normally, we get an Aeon's End game about every year, like clockwork. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's a lot. I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a long game, though, um, especially the setup between stories. Uh, it, it takes a while. That's one thing that I was going to say. Compared to Legacy, because of the different mages, you're adding new mages. The maintenance for the game is definitely a little bit on the long side. And it's something that, well, if we didn't have the little guy, I don't think we would mind as much. But as we're trying to get games played, it does get to be a little tedious. So... If you want our opinion, you don't have an Aeon's End game, you don't have an Aeon's End Legacy game yet, go with the original Legacy, I'd say, over this one if you have a little one in the house. Because the time that you spend, I mean, it was roughly, what, about a good half hour, like, setting up and upgrading our mages and Last switching night, mages. 35 minutes just to do the between the stories uh, and set up. I mean, I, I mean, it probably could have been done a little bit quicker because we're trying to upgrade the mages and figure out what the best way to do it but it's still i mean if you unless you just don't care and you're just going through the motions then you might be able to do it a little bit faster but there's a little bit of thought that goes into this uh, you want to make sure you're making the right choices so that being said it's fun i do enjoy uh i i have enjoyed changing up the different mages that's been fun uh it's been fun to try the different ones they're not all created equal i would say no, and that's definitely something that you're going to want to remember is going through this game, and uh, I love all the components, quality, production, everything is the same as Aeon's End, so just want to make sure that if you're wondering why we're not talking about it, it's keeping the same high standard. But as Julie's saying, as we're going through these missions, not all mages are created equal, and the last one that we played, I can safely say if I hadn't been playing as Talix who literally has the ability to burn down the the nameless with sparks with using my you know my charge ability and then all of the different sparks especially the upgraded spark i don't think we would have won so you're going to want to keep that in mind that as you especially in this because there are some new relationship abilities that you get whereas uh, like Kadir and Malister work well together Talix and Inko work well together uh, Talix and Sosko work well together we actually aren't really using Talix with someone that pairs well with him. We only have two mages that 
really pair well together. And we're trying to use other ones that just have some strong abilities. So just keep in mind what what nameless you're facing. Read the rules for it. Like go through the setup and and I would set up my nameless before picking my mages because that's going to give you a really good idea as to what's going to happen because the Parasite deck was really nasty. We needed healing and we needed burn. So on that note, we'd suggest if you want to hear more about it, you can uh, check out our review, which should be coming out. Is it going to come out the day after this? Yeah, we're going to have a review the day after this. We're going to do a full campaign review later on once we go through the entire story. So you'll be able to hear that from us. And we'll probably actually get this reset and even try the Azure campaign, but that's going to be way later on at some point this year. But we do want to finish this whole thing as quickly as possible. So on that note, we'd like to remind everybody to keep Keep playing games. What's up, Internet? My name is Paparazzo Dave Chapman. I'm the lead reviewer for the Rathole.ca, a co-host on The Legend of the Traveling Tardis, and I'm super excited to be back on Watch Been Playing Wednesday. I'm recording this in Las Vegas, just after Dice Tower West, where I had an absolute blast. I even had time to play in a couple of tournaments, which is something I never get to do. I went undefeated in the preliminary round of the Shobu tournament, only losing a very tight final. If you've never played Smirk and Dagger's Shobu, you're missing out. It is an elegantly designed abstract strategy game that feels completely timeless. There are four wooden boards, two light, two dark, each with four white and four black pebbles on it. You're going to be taking a passive move on one of the boards on your half, and then a matching aggressive move on one of the boards of the opposite color regardless of which side it's on. The goal is to use your aggressive moves to push all four of your opponent's pebbles off any of those four boards. It's simple. It's just a brilliant game. The second tournament I played in was for Grandpa Beck's Skull King. Despite being generally terrible at the game, I was really excited to get to play this with some new people. Uh, So this is a game that I'm working on a review for It'll probably come out next month or something. Um, Skull King is a pirate-themed bidding and trick-taking game. In the first round, you get one card. In the second round, you get two cards. And so on and so forth until the tenth round with ten cards. Everyone will simultaneously bid on how many tricks they think they will take in a given hand. Uh, It's not uncommon for you to actually end up with a negative score if you don't make your bids. And after... In the first few games, that can kind of make you wonder if you've missed something. Uh, But with the right group of people, and once you kind of get used to the game, it's a lot of fun. So I'm really happy that I got to play in that. Beyond those, I had the pleasure of playing a whole bunch of new indie games. Uh, There were obviously some standouts for me. One of those was Escape Death Race 2182 Micro by Good Day Games. Uh, It's a tile-based race battle that fits inside of basically a mint tin. Uh, Players are battling each other and several boss monsters. There's some fun weapons and traps. Uh, The micro version of the game grew out of a much larger and more complex version of the game that's still in kind of the final stages of development. But both games have a Mad Max Mario Kart feel to them. 
To be more accurate and somewhat more obscure, it feels a bit like the DC Comics post-apocalyptic reboot of Hanna-Barbera's Wacky Races uh, called Wacky Raceland. Check those comics out. Interestingly, that game led me to meet designer Dino de Blasio and play his game, Treasures of Olympus. Uh, that may now be one of my most anticipated upcoming Kickstarters. Uh, during the first phase, players reveal their cards to everyone but themselves, one at a time. And they have to outbid everybody else uh, to be able to choose the card you want, or you drop out and take the lowest number card, and theoretically the least powerful card, uh, that they can see. During the second phase, everyone's going to use those creature cards that they bid on to battle over treasure cards. Every player also gets to take on the role of a Greek god or goddess with unique abilities. That role remains hidden until the player chooses to activate their ability, which could happen in a variety of different points in the game. That's a bit of an oversimplification of the description, but you kind of get the idea. As you may have guessed from my Shobu comments, I'm a big fan of abstract strategy games, and JBD Games had some really interesting ones there. I didn't get to try out their three-dimensional games, but I did play some Easy Grib. Grib is an acronym for green, red, yellow, blue, and Easy Grib is just one of the 11 games that are included in the rulebook when you buy a set. The board is a cloth board with a tree-like series of quadrangles made up of nodes and kind of connected by branches. You roll a four-colored grib die and either place a new piece on the largest square on one of the nodes, or you move a piece down to one of the smaller levels. You'll score points when you're able to fill in all four nodes on a given level, with the lower levels doubling in value each time you go down. For a game that uses the luck of a die to determine placement options, Easy Grib can actually get to be very strategic, and I'm really looking forward to playing some of the other games that are included with this set. The last indie game I want to mention is called Nevermind the Distraction by AJ Plank. This is essentially a gamified guided meditation experience. I only had the time to play one game, and I walked away feeling the most relaxed I felt pretty much all weekend. I'm not going to dwell too much on this one, uh, since the designer is still working out what path this game is going to follow in the future. But when I know more, you can bet I'm going to be talking about it a lot. The Rathole.ca puts out primarily written content, with occasional video reviews and interviews, as well as a weekly miniature painting series, Slinging Paint. You can find our YouTube channel and all of our other social medias at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash therathole.ca. Thanks for listening, and until next time, good gaming and goodbye. Hello, everybody. This is Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What's Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. This week we have two games we've been playing. What's the first game we're going to talk about, Anna-Marie? The first game we're going to talk about is Sweetlandia. And that game is designed by Stoneblade Entertainment. So there's a whole slew of designers and a whole slew of artists. But uh, lead design was done by Ryan Sutherland. And it is published by Ultra Pro Entertainment and Stoneblade Entertainment. Yes, Sweetlandia. So this has a 
pretty light, silly theme attached to it. It's a little card game. Um, and about it's, sweets, if you, if you couldn't guess about it. sweets. Yeah, and you're, you're a bunch of uh, city planners trying to build um, <laughs> literally like candy cane. Sweet city. Yeah, what's it? Can- Candyland, more candy or less. Land, yeah. Where everything is uh, some sort of sweets-oriented something. Like, like Interstate Highway. Yes, and what was the other one? <laughs> the best oh, one. Turkish Delight Houses. Yeah, and <laughs> that was the best Caramel one. Rivers and Chocolate museums yeah, fruitcake falls rocky roads and all these brownie things. bridge yeah so and you're so you're trying to build like okay this is a loose theme right very, loose, very theme, loose theme yes <laughs> but it's pretty funny and pretty cute and and whatever but yeah so the game is a card game small card game uh where you are bidding on these different locations to add to your city plan um, with a specific deck of cards. Each player, well, we've been playing two players, and uh, each of us has three unique decks of cards to use. And this game takes place over three rounds. And we'll each get to use one of those unique uh, decks per round and put, to the, put it to the side and take another new uh, deck with a whole set of unique numbers. And you use those numbers to uh, bid. bid on the, the cards that are in the, the tableau of awaiting for you there and yeah sorry my voice i've lost my voice a bit here but (laughs) i'm trying to deal with it um so it's uh yeah you're bidding on these locations by uh spending one of your cards in secret revealing it whoever has the highest card gets to take the first choice their pick of the litter yeah Yeah. and then uh, whoever lost the bid gets uh to pick from whatever's left over and you add it to your own tableau i should have said their pick of the loot like (laughs) Yeah, they're big of the candy. It's a cool set collection and tableau building game where these cards are going to bounce off each other. It's kind of like what's it, Fantasy Realms style, Mm -hmm. where the cards are going to kind of. If you have one card that says, "Well, for every other river you have, you'll get X amount more points," or if you have so many blue cards, you're going to get X amount of more points. Things like that. But then there's also going to be. Incentive cards. Uh, common incentive cards, mm-hmm. two of them um, for every round, as well as one individual secret yes. incentive card that's going to say, yeah, if you collect five red cards, you get 10 points. Or if you have no rivers, you get three points or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to do this this uh, three rounds, but in within the rounds, you're going to go down until you have two cards left in your hand, and you're going to pick one of those to play on the last turn and then you are going to calculate up all your points because each card's going to have a certain amount of points that it's worth like yep. uh, donut points yeah and they're, <laughs> they're all, all donuts be... you're getting donuts not yeah. points in this game so you'll calculate up all your points and you'll donuts. calculate <laughs> you just established that <laughs> yeah and then you're going to uh calculate uh how many donuts you get from the uh the uh, incentive cards and you're going to tally that up on the little piece of paper and then you're going to Kind of wipe everything clean, and you're going to get new incentive cards. There are going to be some cards in your hand that might be everlasting, and then you get to keep those for the the next two rounds as well. Yeah, they're very few and far between, but they're there. So you'll be able to use those ones throughout the whole game, uh, hopefully to your advantage, but sometimes Mm -hmm. that could be to your disadvantage, I suppose. Particularly because the houses are most of the... uh, the permanents, right? Yeah. And they, there might be a card out there that says don't have any houses, right? Yeah. So, or depending on the color, they might say, oh, don't have any yellow cards and yellow, you've got right? a, a, you a yellow, yellow house, house that's everlasting, mm. so it ain't, it's never going away. Yeah. So but. you're going to do this three times and um, 
You can do a whole bunch of bidding on a whole bunch of random funny cards. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're going to calculate up your final score and that'll be that. And we, in our latest game, uh, you won 98 to 80. And it was, it's really quick. Really quick. For a two player uh, play at this, we did in like 10, 12 minutes, something like that. They say like three, four minutes around eight plus, and I think that's good. Seven can probably play. Definitely, we haven't played this with our kids yet, but uh, this is definitely one that the kids will yeah. like, and bo- at, and definitely at our youngest's level as well. Absolutely, he'll yes. be he'll be able to grab grab onto this one. Yeah, so this one's been a really pleasant little surprise because it was it was super cheap too. This might be one of the best bang for your buck games out there because this was this was under fifteen dollars. Yeah, and it was a fun little quick. Uh, nicely produced card game. I think this is a great game if you've got kids, like yeah, young no. younger kids that you're wanting to, um, you know, play something light with, and you can play a whole bunch, and you know, because it doesn't take very long. I agree. I think this is an excellent little game. The price is definitely right. They Highly say thirty it. minutes on the box. I would There's say no way. Maybe. you can play this with a whole bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, you can play up to six, but even yeah. then, I don't think it would go that long. <laughs> I, think, no, I think I think it's going to be under thirty. Yeah, I think thirty is. On the outside, I guess maybe uh, if you are, I mean, and it says eight plus, but I think if you're playing with younger kids, you definitely could, but you would just be reading the cards to them. Yeah, but there's if you're not a lot of explaining things along the way. And be like, that oh, might maybe take you should take that one. Maybe you should take this one, right? If you if you have to do that whole thing, yeah. I can see that. But, but when you when, when you, you play get with it, adults, though. this is just bing bang boom. Yeah, uh, over and done with quickly. Yeah. So yeah, we recommend this one. Uh, really yeah, cool. it's a cute, fun, fun game. And the other game we've been playing this week is. Bitoku oh from Devere Games. But we're not going to talk about that game here because we just did our full review of Bitoku yes, on our own did. podcast, the Meeple Dungeon podcast that you can find on all your major podcasting sites. So if you want to hear about Bitoku and what we think about it, head on over there and listen to it uh, yourself. And a there. pretty neat uh, Kickstarter crowdfunding yes, section. There's so. a, we had a, we talked, that was a good episode. There's yeah. a, couple cool things we went over uh on that one yeah that there's a ukrainian uh kickstarter you gave you it should, away well <laughs> it's a good one to give right? away but yeah it's uh it's an interesting one so if you want to uh check that out we'd uh be thrilled so thanks yeah. again we will see you next week cheers see ya bye-bye morning this is royce from definitely a board game podcast a podcast definitely about board games except when it's not and we're here this morning on what you've been playing wednesday to talk about trombon so trombon is a two-player only card game released by mayfair games in 2015 and designed by helmet Oli. uh helmet Oli is uh, fairly famous for doing russian railroads first class and a number of 18xx games. So I'm really excited about anything that Helmet Oli puts out. Uh, I love Russian Railroads. It's a top 10 game for me for sure. So when he put out a small two-player card game, I was excited. So what what is Trombon? Well, Trombon is a, as I said, is a card game. All it is is a deck of cards and a score pad. And what happens is you get a hand of six cards. Each player has six cards. They're going to play one to two cards to a center tableau as passengers. And then they're going to play the rest of their cards either as stations in various routes 
or they're going to put it into money piles for buying trains in the later turns. So these are multi-use cards, and I always love multi-use cards. They're one of my favorite mechanics. The center tableau is where the game actually progresses. So there are four colors in the center tableau as you put out the passengers. Whenever there are four passengers in one color, both players will score any routes they have in that color. If you have a more expensive train for that route, you're going to multiply it basically by the value of the stations you have in that route. So the more stations you have, the more expensive the train, the more points you're going to score. So far, pretty straightforward. You do 10 scorings and the game will be over. The biggest wrinkle in the game is when you're actually building those stations. So you're putting the stations underneath various trains. And you're doing this Lost City style. So basically each, num each card has a number on it between 1 and 10, and you have to put them in ascending order. You can skip numbers, but you can't go back. So this creates some very difficult decisions about when and which station cards you're going to play and to which train you're going to play them on. You have to buy your trains, and they're very expensive, so putting that money into your, uh, putting those cards into your money pile is really important because you're going to have to be able to get those extra trains to have more routes, to have more payoff when the various passengers trigger the pay phase. In addition, if you ever manage to get eight cards on a single route, you get to have what a tour bonus, which is basically a one-time payout for that route for you alone. And quite often that tour bonus that tour bonus can be the difference between winning and losing this game. So that does introduce a little bit of a luck of the draw issue when it comes to refilling your hands. If you're getting your six cards each turn and you're not getting uh, the cards you need to fill in those gaps to get eight cards in a route or to have a nice big route, you have to decide whether or not do I keep trying, do I keep drawing? It's a very short game. It only goes for about half an hour. It's only 10 scorings. It sounds like a lot, but it's not. So if you wait a couple turns to try to get some middle cards in there to make that route bigger, great. But at the same time, if you just put some bigger cards down, you're going to get some payout from those each turn. It's a wonderful, difficult choice, and that little bit of luck of the draw definitely comes in. Even though it's a very simple card game, even though it's very short, there are a few different strategies for victory. You can sort of build a lot of the low value lines. You can have low value stations and just go as fast as you can and try to sort of rush those 10. Or you can get a really big high value line and just do as best you can for that line. And maybe if you can score that line a few times, you might be able to pull off the win. Or you just concentrate on one or two colors and you really like spam those colors with passengers and try to get the points as fast as possible. Again, there's so many various options available to you in this game. It's quite surprising for such a small game. Uh, it's cheap. It's available. I highly recommend you give it a try if you get a chance. That's Trombon by Helmet Oli, published by Mayfair Games in 2015. Thank you very much. This has been Royce Calverly with Definitely a Board Game Podcast. You can reach me at Board Definitely on Twitter, at Definitely Board on Facebook, or you can reach me by email at DefinitelyBoard at gmail.com. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Hey there, everybody. This is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. 
And uh, it is Wednesday, so let's go check out what the Bridge City Board Gamers community on Facebook has been playing. Let's start off with Shane. Shane's been playing Everdale, Space Base, Seven Wonders, Welcome to the Moon. I have seen a lot of people playing Welcome to the Moon, which is the second uh, game in the series of Welcome to, and Welcome to where you're making a little neighborhood. I guess now you're making a space base, which ties into the space base. Um, Everdale, I have got to get that one to the table. That is such a gorgeous looking game. Uh, moving on, Tim, his, uh, I see a picture of Five Tribes, which is one of the most solid games uh, it's, it's a go-to all the time, all the time. And I've, I've never had a bad five tribes game, even when I've lost, uh, severely, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that Moncala system and trying to abstract a, a move out of all of that visual chaos and, and information. Um, yeah, there's a stillness of mind that is required for that game for sure. Uh, Drake, Pandemic, Dead of Winter, and I am hoping to get some Tidal Blades and maybe Betrayal at House on the Hill this weekend. Uh, well, I hope you did get that done because uh, Pandemic, I mean, it's the, it's the foundation of the cooperative uh, kind of game and <laughs> the originator of the quarterback. Um, uh, Dead of Winter, I've, I've yet to play that. Um, I find it's so interesting. But I think you got to get the right group of people. And um, yeah, Tidal Blades. Tidal Blades has crossed my mind a couple times just for that simple kind of narrative uh, storytelling part of it. So yeah, and Betrayal. I mean, I just described what Betrayal can do, be as well. So yay, Jason. Terraforming Mars this week. I hope that's a game and not an activity. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a, yeah, Terraforming in Saskatchewan is called Snow Removal. Um, uh, right on, Hans, uh, Terraforming Mars, Riverside, Dinosaur World, Corrosion, Wingspan, Macau, Boone Lake, Savannah Park, you've been busy, Hans, um, Riverside, I have not heard of that one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that down and do some homework, um, but yeah, the, what a great, great lineup, engine, you got engine builder craze going on, Terraforming Mars, Corrosion, Wingspan, wow. I think you might like your engine builders. Uh, Jeff. Jeff. What has Jeff been playing? Everdale. Uh, the, uh, the Magnificent Something, because the, the title's cut off. Boone Lake, Cascadia, Corrosion, Explorers, Great Western Trail, Macau, Wingspan. I think someone's been in the same gaming group as Hans. This is, this is awesome. Well done. Well done. Uh, moving on. Um, 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 uh, Lane, Targi, Space Base, Gloomhaven, Rising Sun, New York Zoo, Near and Far. Wow. Busy. That's a busy week. Um, Targi, yeah, great two-player game. Great. Space Base, uh, that, whole, that whole dice uh, application, Gloomhaven, a little dungeon diving. Rising Sun, I've not played. Um, it is the second in that series of uh, Blood Rage, Rising Sun, and Onk. And Rising Sun is the, I think it's kind of conceptually the Alliance game in that series. So yeah, New York Zoo, the re-implementation of uh, Patchwork, uh, Rosenberg's kind of polyomino puzzle solving. But this 
you know, I have New York Zoo and it's a fun game. It's so much fun. Um, you're basically, yeah, doing that same uh, Tetris covering of the park application, but you're also adding this uh, idea of, uh, of zoo population and what animals you're putting in your zoo. So yay. Near and far, I love me some Red Raven games so much so that I got Now or Never and I've uh, just cracked the cellophane and looked at it and, and a little tear came to my eye because I haven't played it yet. Eli, Marvel Champions with Vision and Doctor Strange. Nice! Vision, I, I don't have that... Uh, I don't have that deck. I think that deck might be cool. Aquatica. Heard, heard lots of things about Aquatica. Have not played it. And Petricor. Same situation. So I can't really comment about those. Which is probably convenient for you guys. Uh, moving on. Travis. Uh, finally got an in-person night. Yay! Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, played some Puerto Rico. Great Western Trail. Power Grid. Seven Wonders. And seen it. Xbox 360. <laughs> that's uh that's reaching back to the past there i found my old xbox 360 with the big mod chip in it yeah i'm glad i did that because now i got all the games available to me in in really bad standard definition <laughs> but okay let's go back to some board games here uh puerto rico yay great western trail love it love alexander boone lake i was good didn't even finish alexander fister's game um boone lake um has uh, uh a lot of a lot of Great Western Trail, a lot of Maracaibo, and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, there's and the card. I, I I feel like the card aspect of Newdale is in there, but I think I'm I think I'm picking the right game out here. But um, yeah, Power Grid. I oh, I'm so I sold my my copy of Power Grid because the group I had when we first started didn't really click into it. So mm, I'm gonna have to try that again. Uh, Ashley, Explorers of the North Sea, Wingspan, The Magnificent, uh, Counterloop, uh, Word a Melon, Calico, and Azul. Yay! Explorers of the North Sea. That's the Shem Phillips Garfield games, I believe. I've, I've not played that. Uh, I, I have the uh, um, West Kingdom series. So Wingspan, well, that's an adorable game, and it's... It's a beauty to like watch the cards. The art is great, um, and uh, even if even if you're if you're just learning the game, you're still having so much fun. Fun, fun, fun. That's what that game's about. Um, and uh, Calico, Calico is <laughs> it's it's a such a deep abstract brain burner. Um, if you like those games, this is up your alley. If you do not like those games. Just look at the box and the art. It's beautiful. Okay, Marianne, uh, I see some uh, heart switch card game. And it looks like it uses a regular deck of cards and it applies a uh, rule standard to it. I'm curious. Count, color me curious. I want to I wanna look up. I'm going to write that one down here. There we go. Heart switch. I have to look that one up. Cool. I love, I love finding new games. <laughs> but my pocketbook doesn't. Jason. Nothing again. Oh, let's have a moment of silence. That's the longest I've been quiet. Okay, uh, lots of laughs. Stuck up at work, uh, but am printing up some upgrades for, uh, what is it, Everdale and Lost Runes of Arnak. So I got that going for me. Yeah, if you can't play some games, get some prep done. Absolutely. 
or do some uh, crafts and start to uh, start to bling up your uh, your games. And if you really want to know about blinging up the games, you talk to Dave and Shay of Board on the Air. They uh, they they are adamant about the necessity of blinging up the board game. So that's awesome. That is what the Bridge City Board Gamers community has been playing here in Saskatoon. And uh, now don't think that you cannot be a part of this. If you want to, just go over to Facebook, uh, go search for Bridge City Board Gamers Community Saskatoon, and uh, feel free, if you're a board gamer, feel free to come and, uh, and uh, be a part of our, our online community. No problem. More the merrier. Well, it's uh, my turn to uh, whatcha, whatcha, whatcha been playing. And uh, I don't know why I did that. I should put some uh, Beastie Boys in there for a second. And uh, so I have two games that I want to talk about. Um, and uh, the first one is uh, what we got to what we got to play. Oh, English teachers are cringing here. <laughs> the uh, the game that we played last week in the uh, Board Gamers Garage Con uh, was uh, Rococo. And uh, this is designed by Matthias Kramer, Stefan Maltz, and uh, Louis Maltz, and published by Eggert Spiel. Now, um, I said Eggert Spiel. Yes, I did. I didn't say uh, Eagle Griffin because I have the, uh, I think, I don't want to say the original, but I have the, uh, the old version, the Ticket to Ride size box, not the uh, um, uh, Oscar Awards gown box size. Um, and not to downplay it, it's gorgeous. But uh, hey, um, when uh, when someone on uh, on uh, um, the Facebook uh, community puts up a Rococo for sale, you you don't blink. And uh, so yes, thank you, Jason. <laughs> um, so yeah, Rococo. I've heard so many good things about it. Matthias Kramer is such a solid designer that it to me it was a no brainer. So let me give you the the quick just about Rococo. Um, it is uh, time setting, just like a movie trailer. The year is no. It's uh, it's the theme is Louis the Fifteenth, and uh, if you know your history, and I'm a history teacher, uh, we're talking um, uh, um, like French Renaissance, uh, um, uh, Versailles, and what you're basically who you are. You're dress designers, and you you're creating uh, garments for the nobility who are attending a gala at Versailles, and uh, of course there is um, with all of that there is. Esteem and and there's levels of importance in regards to uh, your dress, in regards to what levels you are in the chateau, and uh, this is such a cool game because it's a deck builder, it's uh, resource management, hand management, it's area control. It is so much balanced fun that um, um, I don't know why I haven't gotten to this ta- this to the table earlier. Uh, I can't get over how, um, um, connect, at least for me, how connected the ideas are, um, how this affects that and how this contributes to that. It clicked for me um, when, I, when I played the game. And also, I, I was able to get into some cards and, uh, and initiative order at the right time to pick up you know, the, 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 the good cards in the market. Um, I think what I what I really like about this game as well is that um, you have several actions open to you that you can play, but you need to um, use a card every time uh, to have a, 
a person. And that, that's that whole thematic connection that, that you, you are industrious and you are attempting to um, make the best uh, wardrobe, garments, dresses, coats, and uh, you have a team, and that team is in your hand as, uh, as, as your deck of cards. And um, I think what I, I, I like about this game so much so as well is that, let's see the year that this came out. This came out in 2013. Now, typically deck builders is, uh, you I mean, you take five cards off the top, you play your cards, you put it in the discard pile, you go through your deck, when you're done, you shuffle the deck, you put it down, and you, and you take five cards. Not this game. Way back, way back when, like you're in a time machine. Um, no, this game allows you to select the three cards that you want to play in that round. And uh, so you get to manage looking at what's out there. You get to manage when you use your master um, uh, designers or garment makers, when you're, um, you're low level. You have three levels, right? Um, the master level, the mid-level, and the, and the peons, the, the gophers, um, who will just go get you um, resources and materials, right? So you get to manage your hand that way, which I thought was, uh, which, which was, to me, is the idea of um, I have access to a whole hand, and I get to pick certain cards at certain points in the rounds. And um, yeah, yeah, I want to get this game back to the table because this was... Uh, there's so much more to this game that, that I mean, I, I had this great look at it, great play to it. And uh, yeah, I want to sit down and explore this game a lot, lot more. So that was Rococo. Now, uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't guarantee that, uh, first of all, the, the Eagle Griffin game, I, I don't know the availability of it and uh, the cost of it was, I think it's one of those expensive, <laughs> expensive games. Again, English teachers. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it's one of those games that, well, you definitely get what you're paying for because Ian O'Toole, uh, I believe Ian O'Toole did the art for this, and it is um, on point. It is stellar. It, it responds to the, the, the level of echelon, of nobility, of grandeur that is the, the, you know, Louis XV and, and Versailles. So, um, I'm, I, yeah. I haven't seen that one at the table. I've just seen pictures. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm open to play either copy. So there you go. I don't know what that means. And so moving on to the next one, uh, I, <laughs> I got in again, big swing here because uh, uh, we're going into like some crazy thematic. Well, not a big swing, but um, <laughs> we're going down into the dirt because I got uh Tiny epic dungeons to the table. Again, English teachers, I'm so sorry with the got got. <laughs> uh, Tiny epic dungeons came in. Uh, I kickstarted it. Uh, very happy I kickstarted it uh, because, um, okay, so first of all, Scott Alms, designer. The, the, a, the way that Scott Alms can design such a large game into a small, just this teeny tiny box. Um, he the his brain must be like origami design because it is again like uh, galaxies and and I mean the whole series. There's so much game there. Okay, so before I get too deep into it, let's throw out some details. So it's a cooperative game. I play it solo, so it's a two player thing. Uh, dice rolling. Um, there's uh, there's two acts to it. Like it's 
totally modular board. You have these cards that come out. So incredible variability, incredible amount of, of puzzle solving in regards to how you're going to try to find the, the access point to get to the second act, which is uh, onto the boss fight. And um, which means like some games I've played already, I've not I've not made it to the second act because of the the configuration of the dungeon and I've run out of time and and uh, yeah so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna you know continue playing it a few times more because I'm compelled to uh, to do a, a review on this game because it is uh, now again here's the, the the one downside <laughs> again I was talking to my wife now it's it's a downside for me. But for the younger people, it might not be because they're trying to pack so much information into this teeny tiny rule book that my, uh, my eyes, my eyes, people, <laughs> there's a lot of moving in really close to side. You know, um, uh, the, the rule book is, and I don't know how you get around this. Uh, you want to follow that whole tiny epic methodology. Um, but you don't want to have a rule book that is, you know, a third the thickness of the interior of the box. So how do you, the landscape of that rule book is tight and not, okay, it's not cluttered. It's just tight of information. And there's a lot of icons. There's a lot of decoding. But once that happens, oh, you're into such a, a good game. Um, there's, and again, it's tongue in cheek. Right, it's tongue-in-cheek, uh, a dungeon, a classic dungeon diving, right? But they do, they do it props, and I'm coming from, I'm coming from the opinion of, uh, of DMing D and D on a weekly basis for two campaigns, and uh, it, uh, <laughs> I was, I was talking about to a friend of mine about this game, uh, being a DM. It's it's sort of like well I I want to I want to play too right it's, and I've uh, often equated it to well every uh, every hockey team needs a goalie and uh, once they find a goalie that goalie sticks so uh, this gives this game gives me the ability to go and be one of the players and go and have fun and doing some dungeon diving and some some hack and slash and treasure finding and uh, I think they do. They do a really solid job on the the the, the ability checks and how it uh, uh, contributes to the flavor and the theme of the characters. So I I haven't even I haven't even dipped my toe into into all the characters and all of the boss monsters yet, and uh, which is a good sign because I, in my head I'm thinking there's at least until I start repeating things. Oh, there's over you know twelve to fourteen games until I start repeating uh, uh, combinations. So yeah, very happy with this game so far. So thank you so much, uh, Gameland Games and Scott Alms. Well, we're at that point where uh, I I I have to say and always say and 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 and, and humbly say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to what we have to say about the games we've been playing. And thank you so much, always, for the solid contributions to these uh, content creators that uh, that uh, show up weekly and uh, talk about what they've been playing. So thank you so much. And uh, with that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? <laughs> Thank you.